This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning, good morning. So glad you made it out today. God bless all of you. We're going to do a little different here before we start today. I'm just going to ask all of you to uh, get in agreement with me in here in prayer for the the loss of our police officer and our fireman yesterday. Just to pray your blessing on the one that's still in the hospital. So let's just pray. Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we pray that you comfort the hearts of the, the police officer and the fireman that lost their life yesterday. Bless, bless their families, Lord. Bless them. Give, them. give them fresh strength today like only you can do. And the fireman that's still in the hospital, Lord, we pray your blessing on him. And Father God, you heal his body. Lord, we pray protection over our police officers and our firemen in our city, our, our first responders. And Lord, we ask that you move in, in Lubbock, Father God, all across our city. That the salvation of the living God move in East Lubbock, West Lubbock, North Lubbock, and South Lubbock, Lord. And we ask, Father God, your blessing upon our city in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, again, I'm delighted to see you here. God bless you. If you need a Bible, get your hand up. Just real quickly, get your hand up and they'll get you a Bible. Uh, If you're a note taker, you better get two pens because you're going to take a lot of notes today. We're going to do a lot of teaching more so than preaching just to give you some biblical stuff. So look in the last book of the Old Testament, the last chapter in Malachi chapter 4 is where we'll begin today, Malachi 4. As you're turning there, I, I look at some of the wardrobe that takes place in our society now, and I think, golly, 50 years ago, I was in style and didn't even know it, that my pant jeans were ripped all the time, right there at the knees. And sometimes my pants look like high waters, and it wasn't because that was the style, it was just because we outgrew them and we didn't have money to get any new ones, so... I think, man, Lord, I was 50 years in advance, and I should have been. I could have made a lot of money off my jeans and stuff now. I don't mean that ugly, okay? That has nothing to do with what I'm preaching on. Malachi chapter 4. Now, Malachi was a prophet, so it tells me again, this man named Malachi was filled with the Holy Spirit. He would prophesy under the the unction of the Holy Spirit. And so, with what he says here in in Malachi 4, verses 1 and 2, it's a a two-part prophecy. And so I, I, I just want you to think that if Malachi was here today and these were his words, so we start with Malachi 4 verse 1. For behold, the day is coming, the day of judgment, it's coming, burning like an oven or a furnace, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will be stubble. Now, when you look at the combination of the word proud and, and wicked, it suggests an arrogant fish-shaking at God. Almost like a society that's secular that says, we don't want anything to do with God anymore. We, we want God completely out. God is dead. And this was their, their thought. And when he uses the word wicked, it meant they, they flaunted sin. They were proud of their sin. And so a degree, it came to a place where they mocked God and they mocked God's word. And he goes on to say, and the day which is coming shall surely burn them up. It will surely burn them up, says the Lord of hosts. That will leave them neither root nor branch. And so when he says that it's going to leave no root or branch, there's going to be nothing left of them, period. And sometimes when we read this thing, we have the thought, we've always had a way to recover. And even in America, we have that thought, we always have had a way to recover. You know, from all the wars we've been in, whether it's First or Second World War, the Korean War, just throughout history, through, through the Great Depression, we've always been able to recover. But in this place here, the prophet Malachi was saying, you're not going to recover. This is it. 
But then he steps back from the pulpit and with a great, great smile, he says, verse two, but, whoo, I like this but, but to you who fear my name, to you who reverence me, for you who worship me. And when we see the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord is, is to hate wickedness, to hate sin. And he says, but to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise. With healing in his wings, his complete repair of a, of a person. And you shall go, you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. Now, I don't know if you've ever looked at this and thought yourself to be like a stall-fed calf. That's good news. Really, you know what one translation says? You skip about with great joy. And to a degree, this is really introducing the Holy Spirit because it cross-references into Acts 10. If you were here a couple weeks ago, we got over into Acts 10. That was the story of the man named Cornelius. And in Acts 10, verse 43, it talks about you got to be born again. And in Acts 10, 44, it talks about you got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So he's saying here that these, these people that will be like fat, like stall-fed calves, they're at one time confined to their stalls. And they were locked up. Maybe locked up with bitterness and, and hopelessness. But this day is coming because the outpouring of the Spirit of God will be on all flesh. And he's saying, you're going to skip about. You're going you're, you're to walk out of those chains and bondages. And so when you see here, this was the last prophetic utterance in the Old Testament. I believe Malachi was saying, I'm introducing you to the New Testament. That God said, I'll put my spirit within you. And my God will begin to move within every one of you. So where we're headed, not only today, but the upcoming weeks, we're going we're gonna to saturate ourselves in the scripture and the, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Ooh, some of you are really excited about that. Go with me to the book of Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Now as you're turning to Acts 4, let me give you a little illustration or a little insight of what's going on here. Peter and John had been preaching in the name of Jesus. Man, they were going at it. They were bold. And they had ticked off some religious leaders. And so they were told specifically, actually it says, they were commanded, do not preach or teach in the name of Jesus or there's going to be severe consequences. A command for them. So here in Acts chapter 4, start with verse 23. And being let go, Peter and John, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord. And I, I like that because it's, it's the power of unity. Man, when, when the body of Christ gets together and we start praying in unity, stuff happens. And so they raised their voice in unity to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Same chapter, verse 29. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. The word boldness here means outspoken or cheerful courage. Now, I want you to just stop here and think of this a second. What if you were commanded, do not preach or teach in the name of Jesus because if you do, there's going to be severe consequences. And it's interesting to me that these men, they heard this, but instead of retreating, instead of hibernating, instead of going into a coma spiritually, on the other side, their prayer was, Lord, grace us or grant us with great boldness. In other words, we're not backing off from the truth even though we were threatened. And they go on to say here in verse 29, now watch this, that they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders, miracles may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Now I think of this right here. Have we the church, have we 
have we gotten away from believing God about miracles and signs and wonders and healings? And it's interesting, this was their prayer. This was their heart because in verse 31 it says, and when they prayed, and when they prayed, and, and, and prayer in a church or even an individual's personal life, that's the barometer of our, our spiritual heart for God. How's your prayer life? And, and when I think about this, the only way we get the touch of the Almighty is through prayer. This truth hasn't evaporated. But it's sad in our nation, even within the church, we have the thought, well, if we pray one time a year on the National Day of Prayer, that's it. That's not it. And I look at their prayers and just think what their prayers were, that we may speak your word with boldness. That, Father God, we welcome the God who heals. We welcome the God of miracles, the God of signs and wonders. So to me right here, this becomes the blueprint of a New Testament church to say, this is our prayers. And so I'm challenging you right now, what would happen if we said, we want the word with boldness. Only the truth sets people free. And this was their prayer. And so again, again my, my heart is, Lord, we welcome the God of miracles. We welcome the God who, who still has signs and wonders. Those things haven't stopped, guys. I believe the church has quit believing God for those things. Let me just ask this right now. How many in here are in need of some miracle or gift of healing right now in your life? Raise your hand. Pretty close to unanimous. The ones of you didn't raise your hand, we're going to pray for liars after the surface. <laughs> See, again, just with the show of hands, the reason I did that, man, they got in one accord. A group of believers. What would happen if we just get in accord on this? Verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place in where they were assembled together was shaken. What's going to be shaken? What can be shaken will be shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. And the word boldness is, is not a human quality, but a result of being filled with the Holy Spirit. You want boldness? Get filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't think you can go to a seminar and be taught how to be bold. Just get filled with the Holy Spirit. It's brilliant, Pastor. It's brilliant you got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so when I read here in verse 31, it says, and they were all, A-L-L, -L, all. You know, in, in, in Strong's definition of all, you know what all means? All. They were all, every one of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and with God and with boldness. And so if that was the need for that time, what's changed? And I welcome the Holy Spirit. So what my desire is, just through the scriptures, is if you get comfortable hearing about the Holy Spirit, it's, it's, it's a holy move of God. It's not holy spookiness. It's the Holy Spirit. And so he has manifestations that he wants to move within our church and your lives right now. So go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, as you're going there, you may take a, a ribbon in your Bible or a pen or some type of marker because I'm going to go in and out of 1 Corinthians 12. This is going to be our major scripture text this morning, and you're going to have to hang in here with me because we're going to go back and forth, and I'm just going to prepare you. It's going to be a teaching, okay? It's going to be a teaching, so hang in there and let the scriptures teach you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, special endowments or abilities, brethren. Now, now here again, he's talking about something that there are certain spiritual gifts to the brethren. And when you see the brethren, that means they're born again. So to help you just a little bit, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth. 
And the reason he's writing to them here about spiritual gifts is because they've gotten off track. When you study about spiritual gifts, the Bible says, let everything be done decently in order. So what tends to happen with spiritual gifts, sometimes they go to no more than an insane asylum. People think they're crazy. Or they go to this side, a cemetery, where they're dead. There isn't any. And, and I believe the Lord's saying, there's a fine line here. And so what was happening at the church of Corinth? There were ones that had spiritual gifts, but they used the spiritual gifts to promote their own agenda. And they became real spiritual. It was almost like, look at us. And so instead of uniting the church at Corinth, it became very divisive. And so Paul's dealing with it. And so he says this. I do not want you to be ignorant. Listen what the word ignorant means. It literally means a misinformed, to be unaware, confused, or a misunderstanding. So realize with the word ignorant. Ignorant doesn't mean you're stupid. Ignorant means you're just uninformed. And so sometimes you'll have people say this, well, this is what I was told. Well, could it be true that what you were told was just someone's opinion? It wasn't the scriptures. And so here's the point even with Apostle Paul. He says, listen, you got to be New Testament taught. So this is where we're headed. Keep reading. Verse 3, 2. You know that you were all Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. And so the church of Corinth was in a, in a city that was known for two major things. They had sexual problems and they had money problems. Sounds kind of like Las Vegas. Now let me reiterate that. It sounds kind of like the United States. Verse three. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the spirit of God calls Jesus a curse and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So the manifestation of the spirit will always harmonize with the truth about Jesus. It will all, the Holy Spirit will always lead people to the lordship of Jesus. You know why? The Holy Spirit and Jesus are just like this. They go hand in hand. Just like this. Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse four. Now, as we turn here to verse four, pay real close attention to verse four, five, and six and some of the wording in there. There are diversities or various kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are difference of ministries or services, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities or organizations, but it is the same God who works all in all. Now, what I want you to see in verse 4, he mentions the Spirit. Verse 5, he mentions the same Lord, Jesus. And verse 6, he mentions Father God. The reason I highlight that is you see the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. They're all just like that. They go hand in hand. Verse 7. Now this is where you got to start taking some notes, okay? Really good ones. But the manifestation of the Spirit or the way the Holy Spirit desires to manifest is given to each one. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The manifestations of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit are given to each one. Who's the each one? Well, if we went back to verse one, he addressed this to the brethren. So to every person that gets born again, he said that he had one of the gifts of the Spirit for each one of you. And so when the Holy Spirit gives gifts, it isn't any, many, mighty, mo. It isn't that way. And it isn't, well, you're you're 50s and, and she's a teenager and so it only works when you get to be fit. He never said that. He never put age in the equation. He specifically said to each one is a gift. So if you're born in this room right now and you're born again, you're one of the each ones. Let's just be biblical here, okay? Let's listen to what the, the scriptures say. And he ends in, in verse number seven, and he says this to each one for the profit 
or the benefit or the common good of all. So the goal was for every one of us to be blessed. I'm going to read verse 8, verse 9, verse 10 rather fast, and then I'm going to come in on verse 8 and part of verse 9 and fill in the blanks. What you're going to see in verse 8, verse 9, and verse 10 are nine gifts of the Spirit. So since you're one of these ones, each one, one of these gifts is designated to you. Now, I'm not the one who designated it. It's the Holy Spirit. Verse 8. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit. Now, you get real quick. These are all birthed by the, the Holy Spirit. Verse, verse 10, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. To each one is given one of these gifts. But it's as the Spirit wills. So when you go back and look at this, it's not, well, you know, I'm going to pick this one, I'm going to pick that one. No, the Holy Spirit's going to pick that for you, Okay. So we go back and what we got to do is we got to learn about these gifts because if I don't learn about them, I don't know how to flow in them. So verse number eight, for the one is given the word of wisdom, the message of wisdom, a, a wise advice or counsel. And so for one is given a supernatural revelation. Now listen to the definition of the word of wisdom. It's a divine purpose. A divine answer, a divine solution that always, always, always speaks to the future. And so if something is being spoken in your life, it's a word that moves toward the future. It's going to have to do with the word of wisdom that will come from someone that's speaking to you. Now, to understand this a little bit, go with me to the book of Acts, chapter 27. And with every one of these gifts, I'm going to show you biblical illustrations of how they took place. Acts, chapter 27. As you're turning there, in my own life, I, I, I go back and I begin to think about the times in my life that I've had a word of wisdom that was spoken to me. I remember specifically in this situation, in, in April of 1995, me and Shelly had gone through a really, really rough time in our lives and some things happened. And man, we were, we were seeking God. We were searching for God. And the word of wisdom came to me through, through a believer on a Wednesday night. And, and it was said this, that God had some new things on the horizon that they would begin to take place. And, and that there would be doors of, of, of utterance that would be open to me. And the last thing they said, though, was when this begins to take place, there will be a great severance or severing in your life. Well, life started happening. And I began to speak in different churches, mostly little bitty churches, but I loved it. And then in the year 2000, which would have been five years later, that was when this church was birthed here. And within two or three years after this church was birthed, there was a huge severing that took place. And the severing took place was we were going to have to step out. Both of us quit our jobs. Everything that was, was the structure of our life, our, our whole income, we would sell our house, we would leave family, we would leave church, we would leave everything. Now, I can tell you, when that began to happen, this old boy's flesh was freaking out, but his heart was steady. I knew God's got this. God's got this. Now, in this passage here in Acts 27 that I'm going to read you, the apostle Paul had gotten into some issues, and he was thrown into jail. And he began to plead his cause before a king named King Agrippa. But after a period of time, Paul, he petitioned to go to Caesar. And so to go to Caesar, he had to go to Rome. And so where Paul was at at that time, was he was going to be put on a ship in the Israel port city of Caesarea, and he was going to have to take that ship all the way to Rome. Now, we're going to pick up here in Acts 27, and look with me at verse 7. 
So when we had sailed slowly many days, we'd made little headway, and we arrived at difficulty at Canitis, the wind not permitting us to proceed, we sailed under the shelter of Crete off Salmon. Passing it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens near the city of Lassie. Now, when much time had been spent in sailing was now dangerous because the fast or the Jewish fast was already over, Paul advised them. Now, when it talks about the fast, the reason it's telling us that, that that was always in, uh, it had to do with the Feast of Atonement. That was always in late September or early October. And so look what he goes on to say in verse 10. Saying, men, I perceive. I, I have an understanding that this voyage will end with disaster. Now listen, he's talking about the future. He's speaking to these guys with the word of wisdom. And he says, and much lost, not only to the cargo and the ship, but also to our lives. So he begins to speak something that the Holy Spirit put on his heart and it pertained to the future. Can I tell you what ultimately happened? If you study the rest of this passage, he'll ultimately say, you guys should have listened to me. You should have listened to me. Now later on, he gives another word of wisdom, but when you see the time he left Caesarea till the time he got to Rome, it was three months. But I highlight this, I perceive I perceive, I have a thought that is from God. So that's how the word of wisdom operates. It points us to the, the future. Back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number eight. You're probably just gonna have to listen to the podcast, okay? To another, the word of knowledge through the same spirit. Now, there's a difference between the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. Listen to some of these things with the word of knowledge, and I believe it'll help you. It's things now or have been. A revelation of a person or a situation. Knowing facts that are unknown to the speaker that may apply to names, to dates, and even events. Now, that's the word of knowledge. To understand this, go with me to the book of John, chapter 4. John, chapter 4. Now, as you're turning to John, chapter 4, I, I'm going to share a, an event that I begin to think about how the word of knowledge worked within my life where you can see this because some of you may have operated in this and you didn't even know it. But this was a, a, a year or two ago at the Men of Iron. And, and you guys saw the Men of Iron is in March if you've never been, you, you need to get around men of our church. You need to go to that, okay? And I'm telling you, every year we see the Holy Spirit move in incredible ways. But we're there, and, and one Friday night, man, there's an incredible move of God. There's an altar call that's given for any man there to come down who's, who's bound to anything. Needs to be set free. And before long, men, men just come to the altar. They're coming. I, I would guesstimate at a minimum there were 300 men. I mean, they are so lined up. It's back as far as you can go. And we have ushers that are directing, moving them. Well, that night I had, to be, I had to be praying with my brother right there. We're standing there. And man, men are coming up and we're laying hands on them. We're speaking the things of God. We're getting agreement with them. They're set free. Well, this one guy, he comes up. And we said, what do, you, what do you desire for the Lord to deliver you from? And he kept beating around the bush. Just kept him on. He would, he would never just point blank say, this is what I need to be set free of. And so my brother looked at him and said, I can tell you right now what you need to be set free of. He said, you got problems with alcohol. And the guy looked and he nodded his head and he goes, Actually, you're, you're addicted to alcohol. You can't go a day without it. And the guy nods his head. He's in agreement. And my brother said, in your preference of drink or beverages, you love Bud Light. And I'm looking at him like, how do you know he likes Bud Light? <laughs> and when he said that, that guy acknowledges and he said, I drink a case of Bud Light every night. And my brother looked at him and said, God wants to set you free. And so we begin to lay hands on him. We begin to pray. And I'm telling you, the Spirit of God began to move in him. 
And I mean, he, he begins to, to just get so moved. And, and he gets done and he's turning around, walking away. And I said, wait, 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 wait. Come here, come here. I said, the Lord wants to speak to you some more. And I said to him, now, the Lord told me to tell you two assignments when you get home. You go home and number one, you repent to your wife for all the stuff you've done, all the hell you've put her through, and all the lies you've told. And I said, you've done stuff, haven't you? And you've lied, haven't you? And he goes, yes, I've done that, I've done that. Well, I can tell you, right? I don't know that. I don't know that guy's name. I don't know what city, what church he was from. And so the Holy Spirit begins to move me. And the second thing I said to him, I said, and you need to tell your wife, thanks for praying. Because I said, she's prayed for you a long time. And he goes, she prayed for me every night almost. I walk in the house and she's on her knees praying. Well, again, how'd I know that? I didn't know it. Well, how that thought came? I perceived. I perceived. See, the Holy Spirit will move in, in every one of us because, again, he said, to each one. To each one. Now, to step out, by, you're going to have to step out by faith, but God will move. So in this passage here, the Lord Jesus is on his way from a region from Judea to the area of Galilee. And so to get there the quickest, he's got to go through an area called Samaria. Well, the Samaritans and the Jews, they didn't like each other. Actually, they hated each other. Prejudice has been around a long time. Thank God. God, God, God breaks the bonds of prejudice. He, he snaps that junk. That's, a, that's an ugly devil. Jesus walks into this city in Samaria, and there's a woman there, and he asks the woman, would you get me a drink of water? And she looks at him and says, how or why would you, being a Jew, ask a Samaritan for water? You have nothing to do with us. So ultimately, she brings Jesus the water. And after that, Jesus says to her, he says, listen, lady, I'll give you living water. Now, he wasn't preferring to, to, to physical water. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. So in this passage, to help you, we pick up in the book of John, chapter 4, verse 13. And Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become, an, uh, become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. That's the Holy Spirit. If you want biblical reference for what Jesus just said, that's John 7, 37, 38, and 39. Verse 15, then the woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come to here to draw. And Jesus said, go call your husband and come here. And the woman said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have well said you have no husband. In other words, your answer to me that you have no husband. That's right. Verse 18. For you've had five husbands. You've had five husbands. You've been married five times. Now, this is the word of knowledge. It's going back about a fact or even a person. You've had five husbands. And the one whom you have right now is not your husband. You're living with a guy out of wedlock. You know what Jesus is doing? He's reading her mail. He's perceiving. And in, in that you spoke truly. You were right. And so Jesus is telling her all these things pertaining to her past through a word of knowledge and look what happens in verse 19. And the woman said to him, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. It's brilliant. I perceive you're a prophet. Guess what happens? Because of what took place with the word of knowledge through Jesus, this Samaritan woman gets born again. And later on in this chapter, it says, and many, and many within her city, they believed. Because of this one act of the word of knowledge, man, it triggered all kinds of people being saved. Back to 1 Corinthians 12. Verse number nine. To another, faith by the same spirit. Now, the faith that he's talking about, is a, it's a unique form of faith here. It goes beyond natural or saving faith. What I like to term general faith. So here, here's the difference. Every one of us in here that have given our heart to Jesus, you didn't get born again without some faith. You had to have some measure of faith. 
So every one of us are given faith. How can that faith grow that's in me? Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So as a believer, your faith can grow by getting into the word. You get into God, you get into the word, God will get into you. Stay in the word. But in this instance, this was a supernatural endowment of faith. Something came from heaven, and it would be a, a feat like when Moses approached the, the Red Sea, and the Lord said, stick out your hand toward that. I'm telling you, that's, that's a degree of incredible faith right there. How about this? When Jesus invited Peter to walk on the water, and Peter said, Lord, if it's you, I bid that I may come out here. And Jesus said, come on. And the Bible said Peter walked on the water. How many of you have ever seen anybody walk on the water? It's unanimous. I've never seen anybody walk on the water. But I believe what the scripture said. So even right there on Peter, when he said, it, it was a gift of faith. An incredible, I believe it's a faith that comes on you right there in that moment and you're like, Come on, I got it, Lord, because of you. Now, to help us understand this, go to the book of Daniel, chapter 6. Daniel, chapter 6. That's right after Jeremiah, and then Ezekiel, and then Daniel, chapter 6. And some of you, just take a deep breath, okay? I'm not going over all nine of these today. Just relax. Some of you are beginning to say, oh, crud, I hope he's not going to go all day. We could be here until evening. Well, I'd serve you a little snack in between. Daniel chapter 6. So let me set the table here. What's going on? Daniel was a Hebrew boy in an ungodly land. And the favor of God began to come on Daniel. And I'm telling you, he began to get moved. He got promoted. and pro he, was, he was like in charge of the land. But what it did, it ticked off the people of this land. They, they got so mad about it. They didn't want him. And so they figured out the only way we can get him is pertaining to his God. So they snuck in and deceived the king and they said, King, we want you to sign this petition that no one for 30 days can call upon any other God or any other idol but you. But if they call upon any other God than you, then we put them in the lion's den. So in uh, Daniel 6 verse 10, it says this. That day by day by day, Daniel would open his curtains and he would look toward Jerusalem and he would pray and give thanks three times a day. He would get on his knees and it says that was his custom since early days. And Daniel was a man of prayer. And Daniel wasn't a, a closet Christian. He opened his blinds and said, this is what I'm doing. Look, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, but in this situation, now he's got to face the lions. So we're in Daniel chapter 6, verse 16. So the king gave the command, and they brought old Daniel, and they cast him into the den of the lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, he'll deliver you. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his lords that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste into the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting or an anguished voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, Servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to live you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. Now when he said that, O king, live forever, it was almost like to me he was saying, why'd you doubt it? No worries, king. You, you made a big deal about this. Isn't that big of a deal? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel, shut the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury, whatever was found on him. Now watch this, watch this. Because he believed God. 
because he trusted and relied on God. And so most people, if it was me or you that was put in there and they got us by the little belt loop and threw us in there with the, da- uh, in with the lions, would we be screaming? Would we be kicking? Ah, no, no, not us. I believe this with Daniel when he said, oh, king, live forever, don't worry about it. You know what I believe Daniel did? He knew he was going to be in there for a night. So he said, I might as well get a little shut-eye. I might as well take a little nap. He didn't freak out. He went to the bottom of the lion's den and fell asleep. Why did that happen? Because the gift of faith. He believed God. So I begin to study this more and more. And it said that oftentimes the gift of faith would work in Old Testament men and women that were facing incredible feats against people or animals. And so that, that gift of supernatural faith came on him. And I've had people say, well, maybe those lions weren't hungry that day. Maybe they weren't that vicious. Let me tell you what verse 24 says. Right after that, the king got all the men who falsely accused him. And he took those men. He took their wives and their children. And he threw them in the lion's den. And it specifically says right here, and the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they ever got to the bottom of the den. So when I read that, that was a gift of faith that came on here and that said, throw me in the lion's den. God's got this. Go back with me to 1 Corinthians 12. I'm going to leave you with this thought this, this Sunday. And you're going to have to come back next week to hear the rest of this. But I want to read 1 Corinthians 12, verse 11 to, to you. But one, there's just one. And the same Spirit of the whole same Holy Spirit works all these things. Who works them? The Holy Spirit. He works all these things. He works miracles. He works healing. He works faith. He works the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge. He works the discerning of spirits. He works prophecies. He works tongues. And he works tongues and interpretation. Who does? The same Holy Spirit. The end of verse 11. Distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now what am I going to do with that? He distributes to each one individually as he wills. So if I interpret this right, he deals or gives to each one. He delivers to each one individually as he wills. So it be. It isn't. This is the Bible. This is the word, man, alive. It got quiet in this Presbyterian church. The Holy Spirit moves. And so one of the reasons I'm teaching on this is because I believe God wants to move. I believe God's looking for a people, a church that says, you know what? Our God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our God's the God who's still, he still does these. And I would venture to say, if I ask you in here right now, how many of you believe in prophecy? What about the other eight? It's the same spirit. He works all in all as he wills. So as I read these passages today, I I go back to the very beginning to Malachi 4. And and I believe some of you, man, the gate to your stall is being let, let open. And the minute you accept that deliverance, man, there's a joy. There's a joy. You're going to be playing around like a skipping calf. God's got plans for you. Some of you can't even imagine skipping. I can't skip. Yeah, you can. Skip, skip, skip to Malou. It's pretty bad skip. It's kind of like my dancing. But then what would happen as a church? Man, we begin to pray. Saturday night, we begin to pray. Father God, move tomorrow. Move tomorrow that we speak your word with boldness. 
that our God saves, that our God heals, that our God's the God of miracles. Our God still does those things. You know why I don't believe he does those things anymore? It's not because he doesn't do them anymore. It's because the church has quit praying and the church has quit believing and the church has quit living by the scriptures. So God's saying, come on, come on. And again, I saw hands in here that people need to be healed. People need to be uh, moved with miracles. I believe we're ripe for that. And then what about the gifts of the Spirit? I believe God wants to move within every one of us today. That he wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit and God wants to touch your heart. But again, the very first thing that must take place, you must be born again. That means to be a brethren, you've got to ask Jesus to come into your heart and you've got to repent of your sins. And I believe that's a public declaration because Jesus said, if you'll acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before the Father. But if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. And so he's saying, Come on, I welcome you. I welcome you. Something happens, man, when we, we come before God and we acknowledge him before men. And, and part of the problem is this, that if you were selected for the, the Price is Right show, if I look back here and said, Johnny Joe, you're the next contestant on the Price of Right, you know what would happen? You would be up there and you would be screaming and you would be so lit up. Yes, a chance to win a new car. Well, I got something a lot better than a car. It's called eternity. It's called eternity. That our God still saves. Our God's still alive. Ooh, that tore a little hammy there. Some of you say, Pastor, you're too old to even have a hammy. You know, I'm going to do something I hadn't done in a long time, but I believe it's this significant today. I'm going to ask right now, ever head be up and ever eye open. And if you need Jesus today, you say, I need to get born again. I need to give my heart back to Jesus. I want you unashamedly, boldly, just to get up and come on right now. And guess what's happened? You're going to be given a standing ovation. If that's you, come on. Is there anybody in here that needs to get born again? You say, Pastor, this is awkward. No, it's not awkward. We're here to celebrate you. We're going to hoot and holler. The Bible says that when one comes to Jesus, the angels go crazy. I don't know if they high five with their wings. I don't know, but they go crazy. Is there anybody that waited? I'm, I'm believing God right now that we're going to see salvations. We're going to see every nation, every tribe, every tongue come to know Jesus right here. Is that you? Come on. I, I know there's some of you in here. So I don't want to shame you. If, if right there where you're at, if you just want to raise your hand, I'll come back there. And, and this is such a big deal to me. I'll personally escort you down here. There's one. Come on. Woohoo! I'm coming. I'm coming. Come on, buddy. Come on. Clap for him. Come on. Let's stand up and clap. Yeah. Is there any more? I believe there may be some more. Come on. Just stay right there. God loves you. God loves you. Come on, here they come. Bless you. Looky here. Look what you did by your obedience. Just turn around. Just no, 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 no. You guys just face me here. Wow. Come on. God loves you guys. God loves you. Woo! Woohoo! <laughs> Every Sunday's my Super Bowl. You know what's important in heaven? People. See it. That's the only thing that's important in heaven's people. I've, I've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. What did he say, Margaret? All that stuff you have, it's not going with you, okay? You coming down too, ma'am? Wow, what a day. almost 40 years ago when I gave my heart to Jesus. Very similar situation. So again, there, there needs to be a, a sorrow here. God, let's sorrow. God, God, God wants you guys where you're really born again. Where, man, something happens in you where you know today something on the inside of me has changed. So I'm, I'm going to ask every one of us in here and put your hands on your heart. Let's pray this, okay? Pray, pray this generally. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you on this Sunday and I ask you to forgive me of my sin. 
his deal on that area called sin. I, I can't repent for you and you can't repent for me in that area. So you're going to have to do it. It's like, oh God, I, I repent of that sin and whatever it is, tell God, here's the deal. God already knows. Father God, I, I, I ask you to forgive me of lying. I ask you to forgive me of cheating. I ask you for anything I've done that have broken your commandments. I ask you to forgive me right now. And I ask you to wash me, cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And where I'm getting ready to lead you, this is Romans 10, 9, and 10. And Lord Jesus, say that out of your mouth. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and be Lord of my life. I ask you to be Savior. I ask you to grace me that from this day forward, I live differently. I live for you in Jesus' name. Now, you guys can look up here at me. You, you may have gotten some Holy Ghost goosebumps. That's a good thing. But if you don't feel nothing, that didn't mean you got saved. This means you got saved. You, you did that by faith and you said, I believe in you, Lord Jesus. I, believe, I wish I could tell you every day I feel saved. Some days I get up and oh my goodness, but I know because of the Bible, because of everything, man, I'm saved. I'm saved. I've been born again. I, I accepted Jesus before all these people. And you guys can just stay here. Now here's what we're going to do. I'm going to let our team pray. I, I don't know where you're at, but I'm going to tell you right now. I, I don't want to be like the church of Laodicea. I don't want to be lukewarm. I don't want to be average. I, I want a fresh anointing right here in 2020 that says, Father God, I want all that you have. And so I'm going to ask you today, you're welcome to respond to these altars and say, Lord, move within me. Move within me. I, I, I desire a fresh prayer language. I desire a fresh heart to pray. God's moving with people to pray. And you know what? You may be the call for your family to pray may say, I, I, I welcome the gifts of the Spirit, whatever the Lord has for me. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to let them sing and we're going to pray. You're welcome to come down here and touch a God. And you know what? If you have a desire to lay hands on any of this, you guys just stay here. We're going to pray for you. Go ahead. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.